0: This is Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. Happy, happy Friday. My name is Sean Tar. Sandy Clough is on my left. Nice to be back. Thanks to Dr. Rick Freya for sitting in over the course of the week. I'm sure a fun was had by all Sandy.
1: Yeah, we had a good time. Uh missed you, obviously. No, you but didn't. uh it's nice that you say it. Uh, we, we had a good time. time. We, we had a good time. Lots to talk about uh, this week. Lots of things uh, being said and done. And I guess our uh, focus over the three days was primarily on how, and with Rick sitting in, from a psychological point of view, a team overcomes a 70-20 to 20 loss. Yes. And although not quite as one-sided, how CU overcomes a 42 to 6 loss to Oregon on Saturday. The difference of course being that Colorado plays one of the top 10 teams in the country tomorrow morning in USC and the Broncos play the worst team in the NFL yeah, like, don't the f- consider the worst team to be the Broncos. Very few teams that, that would be that, yeah, the they're, Chicago they're, they're Bears they're in they're and yeah. what is being dubbed the Caleb Williams Bowl. <laughs> although uh, uh, Dr. Perea, I think, uh, certainly agrees with us that if the Chicago Bears have the number one draft pick, Caleb Williams will stay at USC. Thank you. And Dr. Perea knows some people around Caleb Williams very well and says his impression of Denver is that it's a great football city to play in, regardless of Denver's recent difficulties.
0: Uh, Research over over the last, now, vast majority of a
1: decade. Well, yes, but compared to the Bears, who have been good one time in that stretch, and that was 2018 with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, um, the Broncos are viewed from a reputational standpoint more favorably than the Chicago Bears. Even right now, hard as this may be to believe, the Chicago Bears, fan base which is probably a little bit different than the Denver fan base anyway is Denver fan base isn't different the Chicago fan base is just angry uh, that, that and, and and nobody here is saying for example that Sean Payton is screwing up Russell Wilson no in fact no. some have even said Russell Wilson is playing better than he did last year I which would is just- Require very him to play bar, very but, much better, right? But uh, the idea in Chicago, I I don't know if it's a majority. It, it it might be a slight majority. Feels that the Bears are not just victims of an underachieving Justin Fields, but they are responsible for screwing up Justin Fields, who would otherwise, in their opinion, be a perfectly fine quarterback if the Bears weren't such a mess up and down the line on the coaching staff, and up and down the line in the front office. And, of course, ownership is a big, big consideration for the Caleb Williams of the world, and there is no question that ownership here is more well healed than ownership in Chicago, where the McCaskies are generally viewed, not just in Chicago, but around the NFL, as the worst owners in the National Football League by a wide, wide mark.
0: The perception at least, right, and I think that's a good point, is that even though now we're talking about no playoff appearances since the twenty fifteen campaign, and a spoiler alert, this isn't <laughs> going to be one either. And the Bears
1: have made the playoffs more recently right. than the Broncos. That it that still this
0: is a and, and I think I think that informs all the the takes that after 0 and one, after 0 and two, the national media members were don't worry about it, don't worry about it. There is the, se- the sense that the Broncos' problems, even though they are now as only along with the New York Jets, as teams that have had a stretch that long without the playoffs, right. but the Broncos' problems still, to most observers, feel temporary. Because that's because the Broncos have had more success. The Broncos have won three Super Bowls. right? The Broncos exactly. have won one comparatively recently. Yeah. And as a result, even though it has now been Almost, you know, it'll be eight seasons now this year, once they miss, and they will. And you've conceded
1: oh. that 0-3 basically means it will be eight straight oh, yeah. seasons out of the
0: playoffs. Oh, yeah. Well, what, one out of the last 99 made it? Yeah, I'm not taking those odds. So you're saying there's a chance? The, technically, did that one out of the 99 of the defending Super Bowl champs in their division? And, uh, you know, yeah. That they're not making the playoffs. Surprise. We've been telling you that all lot. Well, here's here's but the deal, still too. Feels the like Broncos this is are the temporary. only 0
1: 3 team in the AFC. Right. So they have. There are 0 3 teams in the NFC. Uh, well, Carolina. <laughs> I shouldn't say teams. And the they're, Bears. They're, and, and of course, the Bears. That, that's right. So, uh, yes. In fact, you have Minnesota going 3. So I was right the first time. Yeah. There are actually four uh three I'm sorry 3-0-3 teams I'll get this right 3-0-3 teams in the NFC and only Denver so the, the Broncos aren't teams. making
0: it but you're right because of the there is still the feel around the country and you certainly get it when you hear commentators that the Broncos problems for whatever reason are temporary that it's that it's a nearly decade long speed bump but certainly they'll get it back because from basically the mid 1980s on this team was never down for any stretch of time right. and, and so the presumption is they'll get it figured out because they always do.
1: And it, it, there's a feeling of inevitability and you know, the Broncos spent their first seven seasons in the NFL out of the playoffs but one people don't remember that and two even if they do they'd say well weren't they pretty bad in the early 1970s uh, through the mid 1970s uh, well they, they were more mediocre than bad but pe- people don't Split hairs that way, no. And and the Bears have become, I would say, in the decade of the '20s, the biggest joke in the the NFL because it, 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 it keeps stumbling over. Now, if the Broncos had more starting quarterbacks going back to 2016 than the Bears have had, yes, but only by one. And if you ask a reasonably well-informed football fan, Who's had more starting quarterbacks in the last eight years? The Bears or the Broncos? The uh, the average you might get fan who's knowledgeable would, would, would say, well, the Bears have. Uh, of course, and the Bears have had eleven, and that's a lot. The Broncos happen to have twelve, but you know, technically one of those twelve was Philip Lindsay.
0: Right. Uh,
1: and Kendall Hinton played most of the game. That on, on that 2020 Sunday afternoon, when all the Bronco quarterbacks were declared ineligible for the game because they weren't following COVID But well, it
0: does feel like. But it, it, it feels like the Bears feel like a clumsier organization.
1: Exactly. Even right. though the well fact put. is, well so
0: put. many of the Broncos, when you look really top to bottom, especially given the Broncos' last playoff appearance after 2015, nobody essentially sent you know except for. The, certain mid-levels and lower levels of the organization is the same. The ownership is different. The president is different. The GM is different. The coach is different. Almost top to bottom, the decision-makers in the Denver Broncos are different. But these reputations stick with you for a really long time because, look, you're listening to this program, and thank you for doing that, by the way, you probably have some familiarities in the name of team owners or general managers or things like that. Most casual football fans just tune in on Saturday or Sunday because they like football games and Sunday on NFL games. They barely know who the head coach's name is, let alone the GM, let alone the owners. They don't really know or care. It doesn't really matter to them. It's the team they like versus the other team. More people would recognize Sean Payton as opposed to Matt
1: Eberfluss.
0: Right. And then presumption is, well, they're going to get it right
1: faster. Yes. Is that- and, and, and some feel they already have gotten it right. Even though Sean Payton has had his fair share of missteps already. It better. Listen, the Bears don't have a defensive coordinator because he walked away from the team during the offseason. Then he announced he's leaving permanently. And right around the time of that last announcement, there was rumor that he had been forced out because of inappropriate behavior. And in this day and age, we can kind of guess what, what that might be, but again, it's just a rumor. But here's the other deal. We're, we're quarterback-centric when we talk about the NFL. And even college football, but we're talking about the NFL And we right should now. be. Okay. We should be. In 2017, the Chicago Bears had a choice between two quarterbacks, Mitchell Trubisky and Patrick Holmes, when they drafted In 2017, in the first round, they chose Trubisky. And the Chiefs moved up from 27 to 10 to take Mahomes, but the Bears were drafting earlier than that, and they took Trubisky. Now, when the Broncos, the following year, had an opportunity to draft a quarterback, we know how Josh Allen has turned out, but the Broncos took Bradley Chubb. And with all due respect to Mitchell Trubisky, Bradley Chubb, is a starting player on a team that many regard at the present time as the best team in the National Mm -hmm. Football League, and he's a pretty good player, Mm -hmm. playing for a defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio who loves him. So drafting Chubb instead of Allen is not as widely known or as condemned as the Bears' decision in 2017 to take Trubisky over Mahomes, which seems like one of the great gaffes in drafting history to look at Trubisky and look at Mahomes and conclude that Trubisky would be the better pro. Although in fairness to Trubisky in 2018, he had the kind of year that the bears would gladly take now from Justin Fields.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's made a pro bowl obviously. And uh, that that's, uh, but you're right. It looks like a big whiff and, even if they had gone a different position and gone to, say, Christian McCaffrey, another player who's going to probably end up in the Hall of Fame, it would have been. Who was drafted eighth overall? Eighth overall, obviously, by, by those Panthers. It would have been uh, presumably much more acceptable, but that happens. And as you pointed out, it happens to the Broncos, too. But when you're the Bears and you have a history of that problem, it, you go back and look at the Bears' NFL record. And yeah, everyone thinks the 85 Bears. I get that as well. You should. Prior to that, though, I mean, pretty big dry spell. You go ahead and look well, at sure. Go look at the Bears. And th- this is, of course, one of the first NFL franchises. Go look at their, it, it's kind of amazing. Go look at their all-time leading quarterbacks or leading wide receivers. And and you'll be stunned to look at some of the numbers and be like, that is their top person ever? Yeah. The Bears that have been yeah. around since the 20s? Yeah.
1: Le- legitimately. Well, legitimately, it could it's be amazing. argued. It could be argued that the Bears have not had an outstanding, healthy quarterback since Sid, Luck- Sid Luckman. In That's the, the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, in the fifties. Now, Jim McMahon was very good. I don't know that he was exceptional. But very good. Couldn't stay healthy. So, yes, when McMahon was healthy, which didn't happen very often. The Bears were very good, and I thought, as great as their defense was in 1985, their offense was extremely underrated, and it it, it reminded me a little bit of a team in a different sport from the same era, the bad boys, the Detroit Pistons, who I always thought, for all of their supposed defensive prowess, were extremely underrated as an offensive team. I mean, you had Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars in your starting backcourt. And, and you're saying they aren't good offensively? No, they played at a slow pace, right. but they were very efficient on offense. And just because they didn't lead the league in scoring didn't mean that they weren't as good as any team in the league offensively, including the Denver Nuggets at that same time, who were from time to time leading the league in scoring. And it, it was the same thing with the 85 Bears. Even without that exceptional defense, They still would have been a playoff team based on how good they were offensively. I I know Walter Payton was at the end, but he was still very Uh, good. Walter Payton. And McMahon was healthy that year for the most part. Uh, Willie Galt was an outstanding Mm -hmm. wide receiver. They had a great, not a good, a great offensive line. Yeah, they did. And when you put that offense out there in association with that defense. The big question people have is why that team didn't win more than just the one Super Bowl. And they were actually statistically better defensively the following year. But McMahon got hurt, and then the year after that, they had Doug Flutie starting in the playoff game for them. That's how far they had dropped off. And, of course, McMahon was, was – Basically, after 1985, he was hurt the rest of his career, and and hardly ever played. Keep so, this in mind. You bring up Luckman, who I agree is probably the best Bears quarterback of
0: all time. He's and that's more than 70 years ago. Yeah, and he's still second on the list in both yards and touchdowns. Yeah, the person ahead of him in both, and at least in the in the yardage by a wide margin, is not a player that I think anyone would think about. One even. Chicago Bears, let alone saying, oh yeah, that that would be the best Bears quarterback either. Uh, Luckman finished with 14,686 yards and 137 touchdowns. The man ahead of him had 154 touchdowns and 23,443 yards. That's Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, (laughs) listen, I'm I'm not going to make Jay Cutler into
1: something he wasn't.
0: Mitchell Trubisky is in the top
1: five in Bears history in yardage and touchdowns. Jay Cutler was a much better quarterback. Sure he was. People remember. And uh, again, uh, Jay Cutler is known for many things other than playing quarterback. And when you get down to uh, asking people what they remember about Jay Cutler, his play at quarterback, is about fifth or sixth uh, on the list of things you most clearly remember about Jay Cutler as a quarterback. Jay Cutler got the Bears to a conference championship game. Now, I know the Bears went to a Super Bowl in 06. Had Jay Cutler been the quarterback instead of Rex Grossman in 2006, I'm not saying they would have beaten Indianapolis, but they certainly would have played a competitive game against Indianapolis, which the Rex Grossman-led Bears did not in 06. And hardly Anybody remembers the Bears were even in the Super Bowl that year because yeah. it was kind of one of those years in the NFC where teams weren't, it just one of those years where teams weren't very good. And Indy came out of the AFC, and everybody expected New England to uh, uh, regain its AFC title, and New England lost to Indianapolis. And the Colts played a great game, came from way back in the AFC championship game to beat New England. The Colts in the playoffs that year, apart from that New England game, weren't all that good. <laughs> they they were better defensively than they were offensively, and they were the only thing the Bears did in the Super Bowl. I think was run a kickback right. Yeah, yeah. Beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. That that's a, 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 and and people barely remember that. So, what when people look at the Bears and the Broncos, they see bad quarterback play. The Bears have had bad quarterback play, by and large, for 70-plus years. The Broncos have had bad quarterback play for about one-tenth of that
0: time. And by any measurement, two of the top ten quarterbacks in history, and
1: probably even higher than that. Yes, (laughs) two of the top five. I don't think there's any doubt that they've had two of the top five who both won Super Super Bowls (laughs) in their final games Mm -hmm. as NFL Hall of Famers and are still the only two quarterbacks to have ever done that.
0: Won the Super Bowl yeah. and walked off the stage. So what that means is in all that, you know, promising, hey, guess what Broncos you have, well, you know, better reputation. Boy, it means you really can't lose to the Bears. <laughs>
1: yes. We'll talk more about that <laughs> next time exactly on My right. Sports.
0: Yes. <laughs> got Chuck so with Saint Laurent, got to kiss myself. I'm so pretty. I'm
1: too hot. Got a police and a fireman. I'm too hot.
0: Sandy Cuff and Sean Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Broncos have started 0-4 only four times in their history. They did start 0, 03 and one in 1971, mind you. Yes. But otherwise, 1964 in the old
1: AFL days. You know what the 1 was, right? That was the famous half a loaf. Half a loaf.
0: Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, that's gotta be the that's one, half-a-loaf. right? The half
1: a loaf. Lou Saban, coaching the Broncos at the time against uh the team that eventually went to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. So that looks and, a little better. And it was first of three straight Super Bowls. And it was the game in which the Broncos we're in a tie with the Miami Dolphins early season. And it game. was the very
0: first game of the year. It, it was, was the, I was the opener. early season game. Yeah. I, I forgot
1: it was the opener. It was the opener. Uh, and Saban did what Eric Parsegian had done at Notre Dame against Michigan State five years earlier in the game of the century, 1966, when his starting quarterback got hurt. I believe it was Terry Hanratty. And he was playing Cody O'Brien, I think, was the guy. I don't know why that name sticks with me. Anyway, Notre Dame had a chance late in the game to break the tie. And there were there was no overtime, obviously, back then. Nor was there overtime in 1971 in the NFL. And Barsegan played for the tie and got roasted for it. Notre Dame won the national championship.
0: And if they would have had a loss, yeah. The
1: polls they would have had a loss, and that's how Barsegan was thinking. Yep. Turned and, out he was right. And he was right. Um, and, and playing with a backup quarterback, uh, you know, he didn't trust his backup quarter. Well, that's fine. If it had hand-ratty, they probably would have gone for it. Anyway, Saban looked at that game and said, Miami's the up-and-coming young team in our conference. A tie isn't such a bad thing. We're, we're going to sit on the ball late and take the tie. And after the game, in perhaps a poor choice of words, he said half a loaf is better than none. And he proceeded over the next few weeks to have uh, loaves of bread thrown on his lawn, which is better than eggs thrown at your window. Yeah, at least, like, at least the birds uh, it, will it, just it, grab the bread right, and right. fly away. And right, I'm sure right. it was stale bread. And birds so don't. But, but anyway, that, that, that was what happened. And that was the beginning of the end for Lou Saban, who did not close out the year. The Broncos were actually leading season.
0: that game, 10-3. to three, and Well, then, that was part of the problem, too. Yeah. And, and, then then
1: they, and then Miami Bob tied Greasy it. Bob Greasy hit Paul Warfield,
0: and Warfield had a huge game, uh, 146 yards in that touchdown. And Paul Warfield's
1: most underrated wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Really. And, uh, yeah, I think you could actually make that argument.
0: But Greasy to Warfield, then they tied it. And But the funny thing is, now here we're looking at 52 seasons they later. They would go
1: on later that year to go to the first of three straight Super Bowls, two of which they won. The next year is the only undefeated team in the history of the National Football League. And then, of course, the following year, with probably a better team, they were even more dominant and just wiped the field with the Minnesota Vikings in the Super Bowl. And they lost to Dallas later uh, following that 71 season in the Super Bowl. Well, that Dallas team as a single-season team, uh, once they stopped falling all over themselves, was one of the great single-season teams. Teams of all time. And Staubach had established himself over Morton as the quarterback. They had Dwayne Thomas and the, who was always disgruntled, but maybe a, a little less disgruntled uh, late in that season. And it, I mean, they had they had Doomsday still. <laughs> well, there's the thing defense. is you,
0: you look at the, their defense. A lot of the the, the those folks were in place. Dick Anderson yeah. was there, and then yeah, was there. But
1: but it was the no name defense, right? That later became famous as the no or the game Broncos defense, on I'll that you. game
0: a couple a couple Lyle was with the team with Rich, Richard Tombstone Jackson Billy Thompson yeah, well, but a very Brian, different defense Broncos than of course were, the Orange Crush team. that would come along later but the offense very different uh, Floyd Little was with the team but yep. at, at that point the Broncos had Don Horn at quarterback in that yes. game uh, Floyd Little in, in that game did run for seventy yards uh, Bobby Anderson ran for another twenty five. Uh, their leading receiver was Jack Garkey. but uh, the Dolphins had Bob Greasy, Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, Paul Warfield, Mercury Morris, all put up numbers in that game. Right, that, that was those. That's the
1: core. They were pretty good. That was the core. I, as of I that. remember, Kick yeah, by the way did actually, good.
0: and of course finish it, you up. You know his, the winningest coach in yeah, the history of the NFL. Win- right. yeah.
1: Kick actually played for the Denver Broncos yeah. a few years later. Both, by the way, disciples of Paul Brown, both lose. But eight eight let's and
0: redeem. Let's redeem Lou Saban here, because one, I think we can agree that the Dolphins had a better team than the Broncos, yeah. and the tie, while embarrassing, you didn't really want a tie, I get it, but here we are in 2023 talking about the number of 0-4 times the Broncos have started, right. and we're not talking about 1971, because no. they didn't. No, they were better they were than 0-4, so you than know what, it, Sorry. But Lou Saban was right. It took a while for Saban was right, but he was right. He ended up with a tie against a better team, and now we're not talking about one of the worst starts in Broncos history. No, goes to the '64 team, the '94 team, the '99 team, right, and the '2019. Well, you remember
1: '99? Oh yeah, came after the Broncos won two straight Mm. Super Bowls. L.Y., of course, was retired. Somewhat excused. And after the fourth loss, there was a featured piece in Sports Illustrated when Sports Illustrated was still, at that time, Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. Cover piece uh, with, uh, uh, I believe, Michael Silver. uh, Controversial, but uh, pretty well connected, who was reporting on that game and quoted anonymously several Broncos as saying, were cooked. We're we're done. Well, I mean done, and and it caused great. They were
0: facing at, at the time an 0 and three New York Jets team. Right. Broncos I hope will be facing them next week. But yes. they were facing a then oh it was an O-3 Jets team against an 0 and three Broncos team. The Jets ended up winning that, scoring 14 points in the final frame to win twenty-one to thirteen. Uh we talk about Bob Greasy, a quarterback in the 0-3 and one start at seventy-one. Brian yes. Greasy was, the was at quarterback,
1: quarterback for the Broncos in that and, game. And I no thought, touchdowns and three picks. I thought Part more of, of a victim of win. what was going on than the cause of what was going on. I, actually, uh, they got killed on opening night by Miami because back then the, the champions didn't play on Thursday night. They played right. on Monday night. Yeah, the following season on Monday night and Miami came in here and the Broncos had just destroyed the dolphins in the playoffs. I think 38 to three the previous winter, and the Dolphins just blew the Broncos doors off. That was Marino's last year and Marino who didn't play against the Broncos very often, only three times in his career during the regular season made the third one count. And that, that would actually made the first one count, the third one count and the second one too, by the way, the only time Marino ever lost a game to the Broncos was that 38, three shellacking that the, Broncos put on the Dolphins in the playoffs, 98 on the way to their second straight Super Bowl win. But we all remember 2019 because it took about four games, all of which they lost, to figure out that though he might have been a brilliant defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio was not head coaching material. And we knew that after they started 0-4. And, and then the following year started 0-3, if we weren't correct, sure about 0-4 disqualifying him. 0-3 the following year. Did the job, and we knew that he was not long for the Broncos. So as soon as they came up with an owner, how would disastrous would it be for the Broncos to lose this game? Because look, uh, it would be. That, it, I mean, it, we can dance around it all we like. Would be worse than Miami. Now, Miami is memorable because of the dimensions of the loss, right? But this would be worse because you could argue Miami is the best team in the league. You could also argue, maybe even more vehemently, that Chicago is the worst team in the league. And I don't care where you're playing the game. If you can't beat Chicago, who can you beat right. other than maybe, maybe, maybe the Jets? But the Jets have a good defensive team. I will say that. They pretty this. good special teams.
0: The Bears have neither. You may have to wait uh, and wait. But on a Friday, I'm like, if you're looking for uh, like the over bet, normally in the NFL, the under bet's the better job. But... Um, the Broncos give up forty point seven points a game and yep. the Bears give up thirty five point three. Correct. Those are the two worst. That's right. So uh that that's where I think you look at it that the Broncos should probably win this game because the Bears defense is just as bad as their own. Yep. And their offense is quite frankly even a little more inept. And so it is uh <laughs> it's close. I mean uh the the Bears are passing for slightly more yards. They're they're uh, uh... It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, uh, it's, pardon close. Me, they're allowing me. Yeah, it's close. It's, it's close. close. The, these are, these are two very bad football teams. And, uh, I, I remember well. what, well, you know, we hope when I had to call, but one of my favorite quotes from basketball, the Pat Williams, the old GM of the Orlando magic, when they first started out yeah. and they had a, you know, a really rough, uh, opening year, as you can imagine, like expansion teams do at one point he was asked uh, about his team and he said like, well, we can't win. Games at home, and we can't win on the road. And my job as general manager is to find out where else we can play the games.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would that's be right. the question. I think if you're, I mean, that's we yeah, win at home, can't win on the road. And, yeah, job is to find a place we can. Yeah, like, where else? I don't where, know. Where, where but no uh, way I way
0: mean, way. this would be—that's the funny part. It, this is an 0-3. This is a bad football team that ever Broncos are. They're bad. And dance around it all you'd like. They're bad. And they should blow the doors off the Bears, who are worse. And if they don't, oh, my goodness.
1: Then, then what are then, we really looking at? 1-16 and, and, forgive me, 0-17 oh come into play. People start talking about that. People start talking about that. And the Broncos have put some psychological chips out there on the table this week. First of all, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites. How many teams in the history of the NFL have lost a game by 50 points or more and been favored the following week on the road? God, that's a— I, I, that's I a, would oh my god, it's unprecedented. It's probably never happened. It's, it's almost probably certainly probably never happened. probably never
0: happened. There's no way. <laughs> Danny's in the booth literally holding up the goose eggs. He's like, no way. No that, no, that, that would be— Yeah, yeah I think with, with one, great one, confidence— you, you have to find teams that lost our, by 50 uh,
1: first, which has only happened a handful of times. One of our more— Judicious listeners, I'm sure, will and then a favorite come up with, with another late. example if there is one, but I don't think there is I one. I can't even envision it. it. Here's, here's the deal. Let's take 2016 through 2023 so far at the quarterback position. Expected points added per dropback. Chicago 27th, the Broncos 31st. Passer rating. Chicago 28th, the Broncos 29th. Touchdown passes thrown. The Bears 29th, the Broncos 30th. Interceptions, as in most. Chicago is fifth in most interceptions thrown. And the Broncos are eighth in most interceptions thrown. Completion percentage. The Bears are 24th. And the Broncos are 29th. That's how bad these 23 quarterbacks who have started games for the Bears and Broncos going back to the start of the uh, 2016 yeah. season have been.
0: Yeah, and that's a that's an array of names, not exactly murderers. An bird, array of sure.
1: names. Uh, we could spend between now and 5 o'clock <laughs> running down the list, going through each, and giving them. just brief synopses of, how it's been a problem. Uh, how I- they've. Both men and and I
0: think it's fascinating yeah. when you take a look at the way that, that this has gone along with cornerbacks, with at least in this case, Sandy, because uh, I get that you and I see it a little bit differently, and that's all well and good, but when I look at the issues the Denver Broncos have had thus far, I sure don't see Russell Wilson as...
1: And oh, I don't either. Certainly I, uh, certainly he's not, not
0: the problem, and he's, he's barely on the list of things that need addressed no, when and, you're
1: putting and, things that are an I think because he's been better than he was last year, and because the Broncos have been not only bad but perhaps historically bad on defense. At least last Sunday, they were historically bad on defense,
0: and that makes that makes it easy yeah, no on my defense. Everyone knows you have to pass, right? Well,
1: would say that Russell Wilson is the main problem. Now we've talked about from time to time over the last two weeks the two halves of Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. and it was the same kind of extreme. Last week, except the first half, wasn't as much uh, <laughs> superior to the second half as it had been in, in previous weeks. But you know, you still have that uh, that schism. He's fifth but, in passer uh, rating. Here, He's twelfth in total where QBR. The embarrassing stats are: uh, the Broncos are last in scoring defense, total defense, and rushing defense Oof. in the league. They are second to last in red zone defense where they were one of the top five teams last year in red mm-hmm. zone defense, right? Now they're second to last. They're 29th in pass defense and 27th in sacks. Now, I know sacks isn't pass rushing per se, but you're 27th in sacks. It, 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 I think that's an accurate portrayal if you're talking about the Broncos as being one of the five or six worst Pass rushing teams. I would submit they're the worst. I agree. I, think I would worst. submit they're the worst. But our friends in Chicago would say the Bears have had one sack in three weeks. The Bears have less of a pass. The rush difference is, than the the, is
0: the number of times you you send a blitz. And because the Broncos send blitzes at a higher rate, and you're still getting comparatively poor pressure rates. Correct. I'm going to argue that the Broncos are are the worst of that bunch. And it, it it's it's fascinating for me to see this, Sandy, because. You have been talking about it now for really, quite frankly, almost last, not just this season and not just the season before, but even the season before that. that the, With fan
1: shows, Yeah, coach. that
0: the Broncos' defense was a mirage, that yeah. it really wasn't that good, that teams knew that the Broncos couldn't score that many right. points, and so they didn't really have to. What Ground they were the doing is they were avoiding taking risks exactly. that would be give you a turnover right. that then might change the momentum of the game. That, I think, has finally come home to roost, and it's impossible to look at it, to my mind, anymore and say that that's absolutely not been what's happening. And teams have figured out how to get around it because the Broncos simply don't make plays on defense. And that's not new. Not sacks, not picks, not not big fumbles. What they've been making is
1: penalties. That inability to create turnovers, I think it goes back as far as 2017. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a problem that's existed. We have, have to look. For six might have full been a years and now are part of the people. center. Right. But, yeah. it's But they're minus a five lot. on takeaway giveaway. And, you know, they haven't turned it over that much. They're, they're minus five because they can't take the ball away.
0: Well, if you're looking for one of their playmakers to uh, come back, one of the very few they have on defense, don't hold your breath. It'll give you the latest on Justin Simmons and the Broncos injury situation. Next <laughs> on My Life Sports. I just wanna, just, wanna just wanna live 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 This is Sandy Clough and Tar. On Mile High Sports. The latest on the Broncos injury situation as Sunday's game with the Bears in Chicago looms. Frank Clark out again with that hip injury. Josie Jewell with a hip injury of his own is out. Mike Purcell also out with injured ribs. If you're doing the math on a defense that gives up the most points in the NFL per game, that's three starters missing. Maybe not great. Baron Browning, of course, still out as well. Uh, Justin Simmons with the hip injury, it's going around, went from limited in practice Wednesday and Thursday to not practicing at all today. Gets the questionable designation. But generally, when you are practicing and then don't practice, that's not trending in the way you want it to go. So probably no reason to believe that Simmons is going to play In this game as well, Lloyd Cushenberry and Jerry Judy, both uh, removed from the injury list. Judy uh, went from limited earlier in the week to full. Cushenberry uh, was limited today, but that's an an illness and is not listed at all on the bear side for you. So, you know, uh, defensive back Josh Blackwell with a hamstring is out along with Eddie Jackson. The defensive, uh, the cornerback there is also out with a foot injury. Jalen Johnson out with a hamstring injury. That's three of their D-backs out and then uh, running back Travis Homer, questionable with an ankle injury as well.
1: With the possible exception of Patrick Satan and Justin Simmons, there is no one whom the could trade by the October 31st trading deadline who would bring back in return a first round draft choice. I'm beginning to think that we need to take Simmons off that list, if for no other reason than he's been getting hurt a lot in recent years. Yeah. And I think that precludes early, the fact early, that he will miss a this ton of game. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it precludes their opportunity. And he's in his 30s now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and he's in never season. won anything.
0: That's so I, I fault, think but. listen,
1: people look at and he's made more interceptions, I think, in twenty sixteen through twenty twenty three so far than any other safety in the NFL. But he's never played on a winner. He plays a position that doesn't necessarily determine outcomes of games. He's not a corner. He's a safety. Mm-hmm. He was also on the field last December, and had he been on the field Sunday, okay, they give up fifty like they did on Christmas Day at SoFi instead of (laughs) seventy. It's still embarrassing, right? It's hard. And I'm not sure you can't say, "Well, Justin Simmons on the field, they never would have given up seventy points." No, but with Justin Fields on the field, they gave up fifty-one to a far inferior Los Angeles Rams team on Christmas Day last year, so. I'm beginning to think that the only player who might get a first round draft pick back in return is Sertan. Yeah. And my opinion, and it is the judgment of many of the analytic people. He's had three at best pedestrian games. I'm talking about Sertan to start this season and he was last seen chasing Robbie Chosen to the end zone as a starter playing against Miami
0: backups. I think Simmons is a top six safety in the league because the one because what he does do is he does get interceptions. That's the one, like you pointed out, the, like, like the middle linebacker and position.
1: I, I, I thought the second half of last year, other than the yeah. game and so and far, he's was gone very up. Good. I mean, he's but, gone up every year. But, but he'll he's turn now 30 in November. Right. Uh, they, and and when i say he's thir- he's in his yeah, 30s i mean a, within six within weeks. this season yes. he will turn in six 30 weeks, that's figure. how people who might be looking to acquire the teams him teams don't would give up first round picks for
0: 30 year old guys 30 year
1: old safeties who are starting to break down and i'm sorry he that. has the very kind of injury that is indicative of a player who's starting to break down physically he had been very durable for the first time. What, five, six years of his career, less so uh, in recent times? I don't think he brings a first. So, when people, you know, I, I think, frankly, I think you got to be thinking about moving Sertan.
0: It's just Sertan. I, I, I'm, I'm because with you. he's Certain's the one guy the who player that bring would get you back a, first. a
1: first. And, you know, this business about a shutdown corner, I love what Perea says about that. There, there's no such thing in the NFL anymore. Uh, Mike White all was the... throwing to Robbie Chosen yeah. against the single coverage of Patrick Sutan and beat him about as badly as you can beat a cornerback. There is no such thing as a shutdown corner in the NFL. There is such a thing as cornerbacks who make plays. Sutan doesn't tackle, and he doesn't pick off passes. It was, "Well, they, People don't throw at him. Mike White threw to Robbie Chosen. Against him, and uh, Tua didn't care the other day. And the Broncos are playing a lot of zone. I get that. And Mathis is definitely a weak point. I'm I'm very he, surprised he has re- that he is regressed. regressed and he's regressed substantially. But Sertan hasn't been one of those guys. Go, well, you know, the Broncos are vulnerable defensively only if we avoid Patrick Sertan. No part of the Bronco vulnerability is that Patrick Sertan has not played up to standard, and the stats show that through three weeks of the season. And, you know, you don't just look over and watch Justin Fields on Sunday. Boy, it's interesting. The Bears tried to trade for Russell Wilson. Seattle wasn't going to have any part of it, but they ended up drafting Fields. The Broncos had a chance to draft Fields and ended up with Russell Wilson. So it's it's kind of a weird dynamic uh, at play uh, in in that respect for the game on Sunday. But it wasn't Fields they missed on. It was Micah Parsons they missed on. And I understand they weren't both, alone. Both teams. <laughs> I always throwing in that qualifier. A lot of teams missed. He was the 12th overall pick going to Dallas in that particular draft. But for George Payton to say at the time, we were always going to pick Patrick satan even if eight guys have been drafted ahead of, of whom we might have heard of one or two or none, we were going to take Patrick Satan no matter what. Right. It is one of the more ludicrous statements that I've ever heard a general manager make. Because if you're drafting as far back as nine and you're saying we had our eye on this player and this player only, you're, you should have traded up. You're you're guilty of malfeasance, right? And right. you should have traded up. Who's to say that the team drafting eighth it wouldn't have taken? In fact, uh, there was a cornerback taken ahead of Patrick Sutan if I'm not mistaken.
0: Uh, Caleb Farley, I believe. Was, I believe. Yeah. I, and then I, Jay, I there were three first. The three right. top three guys were Farley okay. and Sertan. Um, he was
1: not the first cornerback. JC Horn. So, I mean, what were they going to do if if he was I'll tell you what they weren't gonna do. They weren't gonna draft Micah Parsons no. because Micah Parsons had opted out the previous yep. year, which was the year of COVID, 2020, and George Payton, again, not alone, but among the general he managers. You didn't want to look at film who from a, did a year prior and want make to pay. look at old film. And any player who sat out the twenty twenty season in George Payton's mind was a player not worth drafting. And that's silly too. As we imagine sitting here a year from now, I can't imagine that George Payton will be the general manager of the Denver Broncos. And Patrick Sertan was not a quote-unquote bad pick. No, not at all. But even against Arizona, on a day he didn't play his best, Micah Parsons had more impact in a quarter than Patrick Sertan has had in three games this year. And there's a game that Dallas lost to Arizona and gave up 28 points. And it was hardly Parsons' best game, and he still was more noticeable. And, and that's largely due with the position, or in his case, positions, mm-hmm. that he plays. Satan plays one position. That's cornerback.
0: I mean, it's an extremely important position. It's I- an
1: important position. But he doesn't do anything. He doesn't tackle, and he doesn't pick off passes. And th- he, he is not... this business about the great Champ Bailey, Hall of Famer, a very prominent person who's been a part of the Bronco organization for many, many years, told me that another one with the theory that there was no such thing as a lockdown cornerback, shutdown corner, whatever you want to call him. Because People threw at Champ Bailey all the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Champ Bailey had his fair share of interceptions because people threw at him all the time. Now, Champ Bailey was an exceptional player and well-deserving of his Hall of Fame status. In my time here in Denver, there's one cornerback and one cornerback only against whom people would not throw. And he had worse hands than you and I have. have but they Louis still Wright. wouldn't throw at him. And that was Louie Wright, sure. who is far and away the best cornerback in the history of this franchise, better than Satan ever will be better than Bailey ever was. And Bailey was a hall of famer on merit. Louis Wright should be in the hall of fame. And Patrick Satan has been given in a sense, a gold jacket already bringing to mind the famous bill Parcells line. When asked about budding young players, let's not put a gold jacket on him quite yet.
0: So, Tan, uh, did make uh, the Pro Bowl last year. He was first-team All-Pro, depending, you know, ESPN rated him as uh, among the top three cornerbacks in the league. But you are right, Sandy. After a rookie year in which he had four interceptions, and it looked like this guy was the limit, it went to two last year. And, and to far, zero this year. Thus far, zero. And the tackle numbers have gone down precipitously. He doesn't tackle. 58 tackles doesn't his tack. rookie year,
1: 60 his second year. This one, it's 10. Now, maybe, maybe. I'm not discounting the possibility. Coaches have told him, we don't want you tackling. You have to play. You have to play. You're you the one guy hurt. on defense. You can't get hurt. It's possible. Possible. It's what happens when you don't have I enough mean, talent on defense? there's a coach up in Boulder who is viewed as the greatest cornerback of all time. And you could count on one hand the number of tackles he'd make in a season.
0: Uh, that's absolutely the case. Well, speaking of that, we'll turn our attention to Boulder, our friend, From CBS News Colorado, Justin Adams will join us to break down the Buffs game against Southern Calc, and they rebound against the bad, bad, bad loss in Oregon against a USC team that, by the way, is ranked higher than Oregon was. We'll talk about it with Justin next on My Life Sports.